Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. The passage today comes from Psalm 137, verses 1 through 9. Uh, listen for what God is saying to you. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. There we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung on our harps, for there were captors against asked us for songs, and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If we forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem's fall, how they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator, happy shall be they who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? All right, all right, all right. Uh, my name is Thomas. Once again, Kwezi Badu, my Ghanaian name. And I will be bringing the word to you today. So our focus uh, for this month is making a way, God's imagination and black creativity. And so our folks today will be God's creativity and worship. And I'll be speaking about worship in speech and in song. So our text, of course, has been taken from the book of Psalms 137, verse 1 through 9, and it has already been read to you. Please close your eyes as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer. Father and Mother God, a God who is loving, all-knowing, and merciful. We come to you today with bowed heads and humble hearts, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for another day's journey. Now, as we've come to the preaching hour, I ask that you send your Holy Spirit in this space. Send your angels of grace and of mercy to flank me as I give a word from on high. Let me preach a prophetic word that is with your purpose and your power. Lord, you get the glory, but give us a blessing. Only you can do it. So do it right now. And when you get done doing all of this and more, we'll shout your name on high because it was you who did it in the first place. We ask it all in the only name that matters. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Let all that love God say amen. Beloved, I am definitely a Prince fan. And when it comes to my favorite Prince song, when it comes on, you will definitely hear me sing my song. My favorite song from Prince is The Ballad of Dorothy Parker. 
I know it's a little old school, but you know, you'll get it when you, when you hear it. Uh, do you guys want to hear me sing it? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Say, Dorothy was a waitress on the promenade. She worked the night shift. Dishwater blonde, tall and fine. She got a lot of tips. Well, earlier, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, you see, singing makes me happy. I love to sing. It brings me joy. Singing is a form of restoration, a resilience, and in my social context, it's a form of, of resistance through black worship. From songs like We Shall Overcome, used during the Civil Rights Movement, uh, to Old Mary, Don't You Weep, singing and speaking truth to power has always been a tool of resistance in black worship. However, this form of worship has not come without cost. Many voices have been muffled, muted, and even silenced for speaking about the things that caused uh, and caught up in impossible situations, oppressive situations. Now, there are times in life when you will find yourself in an impossible situation. You don't know how you got there, and you don't know how you'll ever get out. But UVC, I submit to you that in times like these, we don't need to lean solely on what we see in a physical sense, but we need to lean totally on what we feel spiritually because it is the only way that'll see us through. The easy thing to do is to give up, but those who have a mature relationship with the Almighty know that with one thing that is promised that God always said is that he would never leave nor forsake us. So we must go deeper, we must pray harder, and we must worship louder. Now is not the time to abandon worship, because times like these require more, require more praying, require more worship, require more praise, even if we don't feel like it. We go deeper in our relationship with God by giving and living in a community with one another, with those who are in the struggle with us, who are able to see and feel what we are feeling, to grieve along with us. Together, we get through these things. And so in the time between fulfillment of God's purpose and living in the anticipation of his promise. So today, I'm here to remind you that in difficult times of grief, tears, and lament, God is with us. And it is crucial that our voice and that we use our voice in such a time as this. So as we explore the text today, I see three things that illustrate how we can hold on to God's promise of provision while we're in the midst of difficult time. God provides three things. God provides hope. He promises the Israelites a home, and God not only promises but provides help. So I'll raise these three points, and then I'll take my seat. So my first point is God provides hope in a hopeless situation. Now look at the text. In verse 1 through 4, the text states that by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows, there we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, sing us one of those songs of Zion. Now in a historical context, we find that the Jewish people in this story were in a bad situation. This event 
actually occurred. It took place in the sixth century before Jesus Christ was born. They were experiencing a terrible disaster. The temple in Jerusalem had been overtaken and destroyed, and their leaders had been taken into Babylon. So they experienced an actual brain drain of their top talent, who was taken over 1,678 miles away from home. And it's through their prayers that they were calling to God not only, not only to remember them, but to also remember the captives. Scholars seem to agree that Psalms 137 is the only historical event because it is clear that the people in protest refusing to sing the songs of Zion were actually an actual event that occurred. And now, one thing about God, and they were mocking the people that they had oppressed uh, there in Babylon. So we also find that the chosen people sat down by the rivers of Babylon, crying and lamenting while they remembered Zion, reminiscing about home. Think about it. Have you ever thought about home and became sad? What, did you, what does it look like for you? How did that make you feel? Did you cry? Did you even shed a tear? If we're being honest, I think we all have had moments in our life whereas we thought about home and immediately we became sad. Many of us know that I have just returned from a trip to Ghana and I had the opportunity to go to Yassin Masson, which is the Slave River site where they captured Africans and they received their last bath before being marched 300 plus miles to the slave castles on the Ivory Coast. Now I can imagine my ancestors at that point just like the Israelites in Psalm 137, sat by that river and cried. And they also were thinking about home. Now, we'll put a marker on that, and we'll come back to that. Now, verse 2 and 3 states that on the willows they, where we hung our harps, for our captors asked us for songs, and our tormentors asked us for mercy, saying, sing us one of those songs from Zion. Now, what that passage tells me is that this act that they actually hung their harps is an act of resistance. This is a protest of songs. So in which the Jewish captives not only said, not just no, but heck no, we're not singing. We're not going to play our songs uh, from home, especially since we are in a captive situation. And you're taunting us only as fuel to the fire. We are unable to retaliate in force, so we will resist by ignoring our captors' taunts. The taunting they experience is really no different from our president when he taunts four women of color, telling them that they are, they, if they don't like things here, they should go back to where they came from. Or when he taunts a disabled reporter. In any event, the behavior is disgusting, it's repulsive, and it's purely evil. Now, also too, remember this. Be not deceived. God is not marked. For whatsoever man soweth, so shall he reap. And so we serve a God that sits high and looks low. God sees, God hears, and God will answer. How long? Not long. God's time measurement is not our own measurement. Because God is a God of hope. And as long as there is life, there is hope. 
So just as the river flows, our hope continues to flow. So don't give up hope. So our second point is God promises the people of God a home. Let's look at the text again. Verse four through six states, how can we sing our song, the Lord's song in a foreign land? If we forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. And if I do not remember you, I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember my highest joy. Home is their highest joy. Remember when I said to you uh, that we revisit this concept of home in the previous section. So when we first started our discussion, I talked about joy, about how I love to sing songs in my own home. Actually, that joy and experience is real. So real, just like the Jewish people living in exile, thinking about their homeland. The question is, how can we sing our, the Lord's song in a foreign land? How is that even possible when we are being tormented and taunted by our captors, by those who intentionally oppress? How can you sing the Lord's song, you ask? Well, then I'll tell you this. You sing that song boldly and loudly because you remember your hope is in God. Secondly, God has promised you a home and what so God promised he will deliver. First and foremost, it is the home that God promised you. So just think about your own home. Heck, just think about your church home. What are the things that you gain when you're in your home? How does, it personally, what is, how does your personal home look? Now, I'm going to step out here just a bit, but I'm sure that your house looks just like you. It feels like you. Your favorite things are in your home. You know, things that are familiar, familiar smells, familiar clothes, furniture that you're comfortable with. Home is where you gain nourishment from. It is where you feel safe. You feel secure. It affirms you. Now, I talk about being comfortable in your own church home. And now, since that we are in a Black History Month and we're celebrating black figures in history that embody the black experience in black worship, I want to lift up Jarena Lee as an example of black excellence and black worship. In 1819, in an age when women were even prohibited by social and religious customs from preaching, Jarena Lee became the first woman who, to be authorized by Richard Allen, the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Initially, her request to preach the gospel was denied, but in her church home, where she felt affirmed and emboldened in Philadelphia, she received her calling by standing up and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ as her own. She did have, an, and she didn't have an easy road, for she fought persecution from her choice, but it is, uh, and it did not deter her from her calling. She was so committed to this calling that in one year, she traveled by foot over 2,325 miles just to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she also preached over 178 sermons. So now let's go back to the text, verse 5 and 6. If, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, and if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. So what the text is telling me is that since this subject, or these people are subjected to unimaginable taunting and mocking, they have resolved to go deeper in their faith and never forget their culture. 
their people are their homeland. So although we may be physically oppressed and in enslavement, our bodies have not been, have been not, and our bodies have been colonized, but our minds and our spirits are still thinking about home, a promised land that flows with milk and honey, a land of beauty and promise. And if God said it, then I believe it. And he said that he had a home for the Israelites. So we've all seen, and so have the Israelites seen God's hands move before. And since they are God's children, we have, and then we call our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father always responds. And he answers our call. So just like the children of Israel, if you hold on and only believe, we will get home. Now that brings me to my third and final point. God not only promises God's, and he also provides help. So look at the text. In verse 7 and through 9, the word states, Remember, O Lord, against the, the uh, Edomites, the days of Jerusalem's fall, how they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, you devastator, happy shall be when they who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rocks. Now, as challenging and as difficult as that may sound, it represents just how difficult of a situation the Israelites were in and how they were feeling some kind of way about the suffering they had endured. Also, please make note that this is a prayer to God. So take care, and also to come and take care of their enemies. Verse 7 when the psalmist says, remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on that day of Jerusalem fell, they repeated what they heard from their captors. Tear it down, these cried. Tear down the foundations. They remember the history when their temple was destroyed, when their home was destroyed, and when they were taken to a strange land and when they were taken in captivity. They were devastated and they were in pain. They were in anguish, and they grieved. So their response may not be found justified in, I guess, in the guilty of those who perpetrated this heinous crime against society, but it is justified and a justified response to the pain that they were in. And aren't we all like that? If someone hurts you or someone wrongs you or takes from you, you cry to God to come get them. Take care of them, Lord. Exact justice against them as much as they did against us. As not as, and not more than what has been done to you. Now, verse 8 and 9 only solidifies just how hurt the Israelites were and how serious they were about praying to exact justice on those who ripped them away from their land, their home, and their families, who were killed also in the process. Now, I'm a firm believer that God answers prayers. And I also know that God does not come when we might want him, but God is always on time. And in due season, God will make right the wrong that has been perpetrated against his people. It may not come immediately, but God's justice will come. There is no need for people to take matters into their own hands because God is a God that loves justice. God loves his creation and he loves his people. So that's why it's important that we do things right that we live right, that we get it right with God and with the people that we live in community with. There's still time to do it, 
so make haste. So as I close this morning with this, God desires that his children live in peace and in harmony. And anyone that does not live in harmony with God is living against God's will. Remember, as long as there is life, there is an opportunity to get it right. So the charge is to keep singing your song, even in impossible situations. Keep hoping, keep believing, and keep worshiping. It's the only way to be in the right relationship with the Almighty. And that's that piece. <laughs>